0: Hey, we have a we have a special guest speaker tonight. for those of you who don't know me by the way, I'm a pastor here. My name is Doug. Um, we have a really special special guest uh, teacher tonight. Her name is Nicole Eunice. we can we can all clap at one time, but thank you, David, for leading us off. Um, i'm I'm really, really thankful that Nicole is gonna be with us tonight for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, she's just a phenomenal teacher. Um, and so, I have every belief that she is going to live up to what I just said there. No pressure. Uh, Number two, uh, Nicole has been faithfully pastoring uh, in the city of Richmond in, like, the metro city for two decades-ish. So just faithfully at one church, just, like, pouring into the people of God. It's rare to find that. And so there's, like, a rootedness that I, like, really, really appreciate. Uh, And thirdly, uh, there are actually many reasons. I've, I've just landed on three. Um... In, in the last couple of months, last six months or so, she's been someone who's been spending uh, some time with Aaron Rose. And Aaron has just been incredibly grateful. Aaron couldn't be here today; she's actually on vacation in LA. Um, but Aaron really wanted uh, to have someone who was really investing in her and pouring in her life to come and speak as well. Uh, and so Aaron speaks well of her. I speak well of her. Apparently David Bailey speaks well of her. So ladies and gentlemen, can you give it up for Nicole Eunice? <laughs>
1: All right, it's just the altar of God. Am I allowed to put this water in here? Um, all right, so first of all, let me say, feel free to clap all the time, like clap anytime. Second of all, I wish I could have music behind all of my teaching all the time. Third of all is <laughs> everything sounds more holy when there's the sound of music behind it. Um, third of all, I came and was with y'all a few weeks ago. I brought my whole family and Erin was preaching and she started by singing which I cannot do and my children looked at me and they're like, they want you to preach there? Like, they had zero confidence in my ability to reach you as a community but thank God I am not confident in myself. I'm confident because Christ makes us confident. He says that in his word and I believe that to be so true. That's been my story when I was about 18 years years old, after a lot of knowledge of God, uh, a lot of answers, a lot of Bible answers, that's the place where God really met me in a time where I was so broken on the inside, still trying to hold it together on the outside. And I read Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us. And for the first time, God warmed my heart to the reality that you cannot even be against you. Christ's love is stronger than that. So um, that's why I stand before you today, not because of any other reason except for what Jesus has done in my life. And you don't have to do that the whole time. I mean, I like it, but you can stop if you want now. You can come back. When you feel like God's moving, anytime, that's great. Um, So thank you guys for letting me come and be with you today. I feel like I've already been in church, like plenty of awesome church. I love hearing your testimonies. I think that what God has laid on my heart to share with you is really just going to be an encouragement for who you already are, an encouragement about who God has been in this community and continues to be. But I'm hopeful and prayerful that he will move in your life as we talk about his love. I just want to talk about God's love for a minute. And um, as Doug said, I've been in one church for a really long time, and one of the things that happens when you're in church for a long time is you get to to really have honest conversations because I feel like you come to a place where people trust you because they've seen your face for a long time, and I have a consistent kind of question that people will bring to me either through email or in person or whatever, and I want to share that question with you and see if we might be able to come to a place of an answer today together, and the question is this, what happens when I don't feel God's love? Like, I know this stuff intellectually, and I'm here, I'm faithful, I'm worshiping, but I don't feel it here. Or I know it here, but I don't feel transformed. Like, I I can't look at my life and say that I feel like I have been really changed. I'm not experiencing transformation around me. And these are people who are faithful, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who've been walking with God for a long time, but they tell me those things. And I've heard it enough And I've experienced it enough in my own life that I think it's worth addressing. Where do we really understand what God's love is? So the first thing I want to say right up front is that God is love is not the same as love is God. And for our culture, for most people, God is love is the same as love is God. Meaning whatever I think love is, is God. That is the God of our culture. And we're shaped by this. We're just like swimming in it. We can't help but be transformed, like sort of shaped by this experience of how I think of what love is tells me who my father in heaven is. So I fell in love for the first time when I was a teenager. And I was dating this guy. We weren't really dating. We were kind of hanging out for a long time. And finally, one night, I said to him, I love you. And he was quiet and he said, Thank you. But he is sitting right there, and I have been married to him for 21 years. So he's been trying to make up for it since then. But I remember, and I share that with you guys, I remember that moment. So he did finally tell me he loved me. It just took him a little bit longer. It just took a little bit longer. He's making up for it still. But we're together. And that man that I met when I was a teenager is still the man that I love today. But what I remember about that moment is how precarious human love is. And how shaky love can feel. And how, when we think that's the thing that we need and it's got to be that thing, we don't experience it that way. Or we experience betrayal in our life, or we experience insecurity in those love relationships, whether it be from our family or from the person that we love, or even from just our idea of what love is going to be. And if we think that God is love is the same thing as love is God, we find ourselves in a very narrow view of what is going to make this life feel fruitful and abundant. And we start to develop this whole picture of what it's going to look like for me to be loved. And whether it's what Toya said about experiencing people who she loves deeply, who betray her, we start to have this this smaller experience of love than I think what God actually intended for us. So I want to look together at a passage. Um, I don't think we have slides, but that's okay because I'm going to read it to you. If you have your Bible, you can open up to it. We're going to be in 1 John 3. This may be really familiar to a lot of you, but I hope that we might find some new ways to kind of hang love on something bigger than love is God, but actually on this idea of higher love. So this is the one thing I want you to take from today, and I hope that we can do this together, that the promise of higher love, the promise of higher love transforms how we give and receive imperfect love today. The promise of God's higher love transforms how we give and receive today's imperfect love. 1 John verse, chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that, that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The first part of this promise is a promise for today. Scripture tells us that there is a promise about what it's going to be like to be in God's family. And when the Apostle John is talking here, he says, see. And that means like, hey, 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 look, look, this is going to be really important. He starts off the chapter with the word see. And here's what was going on at the time. There was a controversy going on that we don't need to understand that much about except for this because it's so relevant for today. The controversy going on was that you could experience spiritual things apart from material things. Like you can have a spiritual life that's different from your earthly life. And you can live your earthly life however you want and still experience a spiritual life. That was a controversy then and it is a controversy now. So what is being said here is relevant to our lives because that's kind of how we live we got categories I can do Sunday and I can do the rest of my life and I can do this kind of love and then I can do that kind of love And then we wonder why we feel fragmented and why we feel disoriented and disintegrated and our souls are not whole That same controversy then is the same one today, and that's what is being addressed here when John says, hey, see, 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 behold, look at what I am about to say. Because what I'm about to say is the promise of what God's love is. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So the first thing that we find out is that we have a promise for today about what it's going to be like to be in God's family. God's family looks different. We're family when we come into God. Now, I have experienced family in my couple of times here, in my relationships with people here. I think you guys know what this means, but let me just make sure. Family is different than team. Anyone ever been on a team, tried out for a team, been on a football team, basketball team, any team of all? When you get on a team, we like to act like on a team that we're family, but you're not family. When you're on a team, you have to perform to get onto the team. And if you stop performing, you are off the team. doesn't matter how close you feel to that person. You get injured, you stop performing, you're out. We're not a team. The children of God are family. What happens when you have family in your home? You say, you can clean up. You can go ahead and start on those dishes right there. They come right into the kitchen. Family doesn't sit and wait to be served. Family comes and serves. Family is so different because you can't get out of it. I know y'all have some family members, and so do I. They're not here this morning or this evening. That you don't even want to have as your family, but you don't get get to choose them. Everybody's got a crazy cousin. (laughs) Everybody's got somebody in their family that you wouldn't want to be family necessarily with them. But if someone starts talking bad about your cousin, you're like, don't talk bad about my cousin. I can talk bad about my cousin, but you can't. Because that's the difference with family. That's what happens when we're blood. When we're brothers and sisters, I might give you a hard time, but don't give my sister a hard time. And when God calls us into family, he calls us into something completely different. Do you know that the family of God should look a little bit weird? If the family of God looks like every other friend group and relationship group that you've ever seen, something's not right. Because when we're called brothers and sisters of God, that means that our commonality is Jesus Christ, which is the strongest commonality that we can share, which means that our age, our color, our gender, our status, none of that is as important as being in the family together. Family should look a little bit weird. One time I was at Costco, I was in student ministry. And in student ministry, basically you have like the ministry of serving people soda. And so we're. Costco and I was pushing this pallet and I was about 30 at the time. My youngest one was like one and I had my one-year-old with me. I also had like my 21-year-old co-worker who's just out of college who looks like he just got off a skateboard. And then I had the the senior, one of the co-founding pastors of Hope Church who's in his late 50s at the time. So we're walking through Costco and people are like, what is that people group? Like you could just see people look at us like they're like, wait, and then there's a baby. And then they like that. The, the, he looks 20, but he's like 60. She looks like a stay at home mom. What in the world is going on there? And I think that's what it's supposed to be like. People are supposed to think it's a little weird. People you have in your home, like, how are you guys friends? Well, we're friends because we love Jesus and we're brothers and sisters in God. And if churches and our friend groups look exactly like what the world says your friend group should look like, something's not right there. Because that's what it means to be children of God. We're brothers and sisters. And people around you and your neighbors should be like, why do you always have people coming in and out of your house? It should take, people should take notice of what that is. Because I think that's what it means. It's a promise for today that we're family now. Team is different than family. But we never stop being family even when you stop performing second part of this truth for today is that people aren't going to get it. And I think this is one that we keep fighting and we keep trying to make different and we keep trying to say it's got to be different. People are going to get it. They're not going to get it. When you become a child of God, you are not of this world, but we continue to live in this dark world. We are not going to transform the world into what we want it to be. We're going to be different in the world that we have. This is a dark world that we live in. You know what? If we could transform everything about this earthly world, then why did Jesus say, love your enemies? Because you wouldn't have any. We're going to have enemies till the day that we meet Jesus face to face. If we thought that everything was going to become light, then why would God say that you're the light in a dark world? Why would Jesus say that you've got to pray for those who persecute you if we're not going to be persecuted? Why would any of the things that Jesus told us about what life is going to be like, what blessing is going to feel like, if you've read Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, what it's actually going to be like, blessed are you when you're desperate, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if we could actually have all those things in this world. So many of us live like we're going to have all that stuff right now. Like this promise for eternity is going to happen right now. Do we have shimmers of it? Absolutely. Do we get moments of it? Absolutely. Do we come together and worship? Do you feel lifted to a different place? You know, for me, I feel like worship is a chance to just be outside of yourself for just a moment. I think that's just a moment of what we know eternity will be like. A long time ago, a worship leader said to me, you know what? We don't know a lot about heaven, but we do know one thing. There's going to be singing. Every time we sing and we worship and we praise, we know that we are doing one thing that we'll be doing in heaven for sure. We get that moment, but we're not gonna experience, the world is not going to get it. And I think we let a lot of people off the hook when we realize I'm not of this world. My brothers and sisters look different. I've been called a child of God and I don't need you to totally understand it for me to love you. Because my God tells me that love is that kind of love. It's a promise for today. Your family now and the world's not gonna get it. It's a truth for today. But it's also shaped by our hope for tomorrow. And this is where it gets real good. Verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Here's your promise for tomorrow. What we will be has not yet been made known. These longings we have for love. Even if it's an earthly kind of love that you're looking for, these longings that we have for love point to a deeper and a greater longing. The longings that we have are the part of our life and our soul that's eternal and wants eternity. Like we have longings that will not be met on earth. We should never stop being people who long. But as long as we are people who long and think that love is God, we will be disappointed and we will be frustrated and we will be disintegrated and we'll keep getting dragged down by the desires of this world. But when we know I've got a longing in here and I might be transferring it to this thing, to this opportunity, to this relationship, to this job, I'm transferring that longing. But actually my longing is for something so much greater and so much higher because I have a promise for tomorrow and what I will be, I have not yet known. But here is what we know from scripture that we should expect to know when we see Christ face to face. The first is that we're going to have a new mind and a new heart. Listen to this passage from Isaiah. This is the New Living Translation. Look, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. This is a promise for eternity. Think of your best moment in life. You won't even think of that moment anymore. That's how good it'll be. Think of the best experience you've had where you felt the most known. You won't even think of that anymore because it's going to be that much better. Think of that time where your heart felt locked in with your mind and you just felt like it was right where it needed to be. You won't even think of that anymore because it's going to be so much better than that. Jesus says that we will have a new mind and a new heart in eternity. And what we will be has not yet been made known. We have not experienced it yet, but it's coming. Not only that, but we'll have a new body. Philippians 3 in the message says this. There's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like His own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which He is putting everything as it should be under and around Him. Think of your greatest, anybody got a great sports moment? You had that moment where you're like, this is it. You have your highlight. For a lot of people, it was when you were 13, unfortunately. And you peaked at 13. And it was your greatest earthly moment. It was that moment where your body came together the way that you wanted it to. It's going to be so much better than that. You think about that moment where it just felt everything felt right. It's going to be so much better than that. Our bodies are being transformed. If you're experiencing illness, if you're experiencing fatigue, if you're experiencing what happens because we get older. Jesus says your whole body will be transformed. Not only will you have a new mind, but you'll have a new heart and you'll have a new body. You see, the promise of higher love transforms how we give and receive today's imperfect love. The promise of higher love says I have a new family. The promise of higher love says, I'm looking forward to a new eternity. And there's nothing in my mind that might be shackled right now that won't be released. There is nothing in my heart that might be grieved right now that won't be forgotten. There is nothing in my body that might be hurting right now that won't be set free. You see, when we know that's what's happening here, something changes down here. A few years ago, our kids were real small and we had the opportunity to take them to Disney World. We are super excited about the trip. I was less excited because I was seven months pregnant, but so be it. Here we go. We're going to drive to Disney World, so we do. And we're going along the way, and our kids are four and two years old. And we stop in a hotel for the night. And we're getting up to the hotel, and there's one of those things that you push luggage on. You know those things? There's one of these things to push luggage on. And it's available, and we're like, get on to the kids. So the kids get on the luggage thing, and we push it into the elevator, and our two-year-old daughter says... (laughs) Is this Disney World. And I was like, if you think this is Disney World, we definitely shouldn't be going to Disney World because you're just riding on a luggage cart right now. But I thought of that story and I feel like that's how our father in heaven looks at us. We have these moments of these shimmers of glory. And we're just on a luggage cart getting into the elevator. He's like, you think this is good? You think this is good? Wait till you see what's coming. Wait until you see Eternity. We've got this small narrow view of this love and we just can't, we can't reach it yet, but it's coming. It's 100% coming. We are all terminal. We're all going there. And that's where we get to be and that's where we get to go. When we get confused that God is love is the same as love is God. And we think that what we see right here, right now is what it's going to be. And we've lost our hope in eternity in a place that is so much better than we could ever even imagine then we've got our priorities confused and things become difficult here on this earth. The promise of higher love transforms how we give and receive today's imperfect love. Finally in this passage we have a promise for change. This is the transformation part. It says in verse 3 all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So how do we purify ourselves? I think purifying ourselves is a work that we do that's found only in trusting and believing in what God tells us love is. As we begin to trust and believe in what God tells us love is, we begin to actually love like Christ loves. Listen to this passage from 2 Corinthians 3. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Don't be confused about what this passage is saying. The work that we do. Someone once asked Jesus, what is the work that we do? What are the works that we need to do? And he said, the work for you is to believe the one who sent me. The work we do is to believe. As we walk out belief, 1 John loves to talk about walking out life and walking out love. As we are in the process, as we are walking out belief, we begin to be transformed. We begin to be changed. It happens through our brothers and sisters in God who point out things to us, who leave us books, who remind us of the truth. It looks as we walk out what belief is. As we begin to contemplate the Lord's glory, we are transformed into his image. The word used there is metamorpho, the same word we use for metamorphosis. It's an invisible process where the real truth is doing a work inside of us. And this metamorpho is a love that makes our love love our brothers and sisters with a love that we don't even know that we had. I remember one time as I felt like God was doing this work in my life in a particular season where I was just trying to believe in who he was and focus on who he was and spend time in worship and just be with God. And I remember being with someone that I like legitimately don't like. Most people don't hear pastors say that, but it's true. It's a person in my life. I just don't like them. We just don't have a lot in common. It doesn't feel like our conversations ever go anywhere. It's just hard to love this person. And I remember once being with this person. And all of a sudden they're talking to me and I feel this like strange affection for them in my heart, like like a strange amount of compassion. And I had this like out of body experience, like what is happening? You don't like this person. And it was like, I know, I don't know what's happening. And it just, it was what this is. It was an invisible process of God transforming the interior of my heart to be more like him. I thought I had to do a work to do that. I thought that was work. The work was believing in the one who he is. And in the process of believing, transformation starts to happen. So much so that you might not even recognize yourself. You'd be like, why am I loving this person? I don't even like him. Why am I forgiving this person? I'm not a person who likes to forgive. Well, guess what? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And Christ says, I'm not done with you yet. And every single day as you walk towards seeing him face to face in that promise of higher love, he's doing a work. He's doing a work, and the work we do is to believe in the one he sent. The promise of higher love transforms how we give and receive today's love. So here's how I would answer my friend who asked about what does it feel like? How do I feel God's love? The only work we do is the work of believing. And I do believe that believing and trusting in God becomes knowing and relying over time. We know and rely on that love. It's often only in the rearview mirror when we look back, we realize, I have been changed. You know, we don't struggle forever with the same things. God begins to transform us. And as he transforms us, he brings us to new levels. And in those new levels, we experience more and more of him because we, with unveiled faces, are experiencing his glory in new and beautiful ways. I'll tell you guys this last story because I know what's hot. A friend of mine, um, is a great scholar. Like, who are these people who can read the ancient manuscripts? Like, she can read Greek and read Hebrew and she could do all that. And she had a chance to see the oldest fragment of this passage. It's actually in the Harvard Library. And she had a professor who let them come into the room where it was like there and they could see it. And she got in front of it and because she can read Greek, she was actually able to look at it. I mean, it's probably from about 300 years after Jesus' resurrection. It's that old and she can pick out the words one at a time and she picks out the words and the words were see what great love the father has for us, it was this passage. And she like begins to cry and she's got these other skeptic scholars of other kinds looking at them like they're so weird. Back to the point, we're always weird when we're in Christ and they're looking at her like what is going on? And she left and she said, that's the difference. That's the difference in belief belief is actually seeing those words and knowing and relying on the truth of them see what great love the father has lavished on us that we would be called children of god that we would be called sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and the world isn't going to get it but that doesn't make it any less true because we know where we're going and we know the promise of higher love and it can just smooth out the edges on us that right now smooths out the edges in the way that we experience imperfect love with our friends, with our neighbors, with our real family, with our chosen family, with our enemies. It changes everything. Would you pray with me? Father, we confess and we admit that our understanding of love is too small and it's too limited and it's often fragmented and it's, it's broken through the ways that it's been broken in our life, in our own experiences with family, with relationships, with people, even perhaps in this room. Lord, help us not to place our longings on people who cannot sustain those longings. Help us place our longings on you, the only perfect one. Jesus, you are the only one who can meet our deepest needs. You are the only one who fulfills our greatest longings. Lord, you said, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You have not forgotten about our earthly needs. You have not forgotten about our earthly longings and disappointments, but you are calling us to something more. And along the way, as we begin to experience your glory, as we see with unveiled faces your ever-increasing glory, as we worship, as we love one another, Lord, you begin to change us too. Father, help us right now to know a more expansive view of your eternity so that we might be people of hope in a world that is often so dark, that we might be people who have peace even in chaos, that we we may be people who do not just love our friends, but love our enemies too. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Transition to a time of response uh, to hearing the word. I want to invite the choir to come back up to lead us in this. Uh, we've got a couple songs that we're gonna we're gonna sing. The way that we do this, if you're new to Eastern Fellowship, is this is just a way that we create space uh, for you to respond to the word. And there are a couple different ways that you can respond. Uh, one way is just, just to sit um, and to just let the weight of what it is that the Lord is stirring in you to, to stir you. Um, another way of responding is we have the, these pillows that kind of serve as an altar up here. Uh, for those who want to just like physically respond, like I want to get in my knees in front of the Lord and just receive the Father's love and whatever it is that he wants to say to you. That's a physical response that we can make. Uh, we also have a prayer team that's going to kind of be lining the walls uh, if our prayer team wants to go up um, and kind of stand at the walls. Uh, Just as a rule of thumb at Easton Fellowship, we we encourage everyone who who calls this church their home to receive prayer at least once a month um, from someone at the wall. Um, It doesn't matter if it's like I've got a splinter in my thumb and I want to receive prayer for healing or my entire world is falling apart or anything and everything in between. Um, we, We think there's something powerful about someone praying with you and interceding on your behalf. Um, so I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you sense the Father is doing in you right now, that you would respond to that faithfully.